this week's episode, we discuss a bunch of comics based not on comic IPs, including a couple great titles based on video games and a new adaptation of a classic horror film. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hello, everybody. Welcome back Happy to Cover B. Happy weekend, everyone. Yes, it is Saturday. Saturday. And we're going to talk about some comics. Saturday. I've been up more today than I've <laughs> yeah. been up. You got up early for you. For me, yeah. Well, I, I'm i an East Coaster that runs on West Coast time. Please stop judging me. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. It is my life. But today we are going to talk about a whole bunch of comics that are not based on comics. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's all comics based on other unrelated IPs. There was a very exciting, like, just to, before we dive in, it was a very exciting a week for, like, various comic-related announcements, right? Because it was yeah. like, you had the whole drama with Square Enix making Spider-Man a PlayStation exclusive Oof. in their Avengers game. They got they got big old cojones. We, yeah. <laughs> Marbles! <laughs> um, there's the whole pretty severely grounded rumor that Alison Brie is officially going to be She-Hulk. I think it's Ah. still in the leak slash rumor stage, so it might not be true, but still exciting. Oh, man. I want it. Um, And then there's the Rocksteady announcement of a Suicide Suicide Squad Squad. game. Yeah. um, That's like implying that Supes is the baddie. Yeah, that Suicide Squad's going after Superman or maybe the Justice League as a whole. That would be really cool. It was a various like boss grind kind of game and you like went to levels and then fought your way to like wonder woman and then you took down wonder woman and then you like fought your way to superman and then took down superman that would be pretty badass that would be awesome um but yeah i mean big week for like random yeah random like comic book related and like (laughs) umbrella academy just dropped yeah umbrella academy just dropped we're watching that we're gonna do an episode on it and uh I think Wonder Woman 84 had some new clips get revealed that give a little bit more detail about Kristen Wiig's Cheetah. Um, there's more news about New Mutants. Like, everyone's really pissed off because Mulan's coming to Disney Plus, but New Mutants isn't. Yeah. And stuff like that. So, it's just, yeah, it's a big week for comic book there's news. There's whole so. sorts of stuff yeah. happening. Anyway, yeah. it was an otherwise kind of small week for comics. Yes. Uh, there Mostly was a lot of stuff that came stuff. up, but it, you know, it was okay. Anyway, middle middle stuff. Yeah, let's talk about some comics. Yeah, first one I want to talk about is the Horizon Zero Dawn number one by Ann Toole. Um, this is based off of the um, I think was Horizon Zero Dawn a PS exclusive? I it thought was a PS exclusive, but now it's on PC. Now which it's apparently on PC. it's pretty dope on okay. PC. So um, I can is... only imagine it's gorgeous if you've got like a great graphics card because it was such a beautiful game. Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but those who don't <clears throat> know or don't take their heads out of the pages of books, which power to you, uh, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn was a very successful video game series. Um, the next one's going to be coming out on the new... Um, new platforms the new generation of platforms that's going to be coming um it focuses on Aloy who is a total badass lady who like runs around and fights giant mechanical dinosaur looking things it's it's pretty intense it's pretty nice um I 
enjoyed this comic because it doesn't actually focus on Aloy. It focuses on another character that was introduced in the games Mm -hmm. called Talana. Um, And she is kind of a badass. There's like, it, it pulls a lot from the lore of the game, which focuses around like there's, you know, tribes and, and, you know, this kind of like interesting um, kind of archaic type uh, civilization, very tribal, very like in nature, that sort of thing. Um, but the book does a great job pulling the beautiful art from the video games. Um, and I really, like I said, I really like that it was focused on Talana and not Aloy. It's introducing new characters, new parts of the world. Um, and I feel like it's cool to give a new perspective when you focus on somebody else. It Mm kind of helps widen that universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's expanding the concept of the universe without, um, you know, without adding so much in that if you didn't play the game or, you know, you're not keeping up with the lore that you're just like completely lost yeah. in general. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really, really cool. Uh, and I do like the character that they used. I remember her being one of my favorites and her whole like quest arc being one of my favorites in, She's awesome. in the original. Because she's part of like the Hunter's Lodge, so it's all very yeah. like noble and like very like high class and very like you know uh, like honor based kind yeah. of kind of stuff. Yeah, one of the cool things I liked about Talana is that she has kind of a parallel story to Aloy in the game, where like they both were kind of like outsider-ish and then like worked their way up to being like the prominent badass ladies that they were Mm. and like in Talana's case they talk about this in the very beginning of the comic so it's not like spoilery um but she like joined the hunter's lodge and was like the first woman and then like worked her way up and ended up being like the first leader like top of the lodge and stuff and so it's just cool like how much you can build off like effectively a side character from the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if you're going to do, you know, things based off of other IPs, um, <clears throat> it's cool to do it from this perspective. Cause you have a lot of leniency on where you can put it in terms of time. So like where it lands in the like chronology of the main narrative. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of leniency on what you can do to the character and what sort of development can happen. Because you're not beholden to what happened in the entirety of the game narrative with the main character um, and what may come for the main character in the next right. installment. So you you can you have a lot of creative freedom. control and yeah. creative freedom. Um, and I think it's just cool. And I you know, this is a world that I think deserves a lot more storytelling in it because it is very, very nice. And I think it's you know, really plays into the visual medium well uh, because it allows for a lot of like very lush landscapes and like sweeping views and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, I mean, Titan is putting out a good book with this one. So I think it, you know, is definitely worth picking up. Even if you haven't played the game, uh, nothing's lost. No, in my opinion, I think think you can pretty much pick up what's happening. They did a good job of giving kind of like some background and some context without making it like overly 
expositiony. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, you're yeah. you're pretty grounded in what's going on and what's happening without feeling like you just got a full recap of the game. Yeah. So that's True. that's nice. But yeah, I thought this was a great book. Um, and I think you should definitely pick it up. Um, is this gonna be a long like an ongoing or is this a mini? You know, I don't know. Um I'm not I'm not too sure. I to could, be honest. I have a Titan feeling it's probably a do, smaller yeah, one. Yeah, Titan tends to do these kind of things in like smaller chunks. Yeah. Um but Titan's also doing the uh Life is Strange book, right? So oh. Okay, which is a good run. That one's been pretty much ongoing and it's been great. So I don't know that the Life is Strange one was intended to be ongoing. I, I think don't think it, it was. I think originally it was supposed to be a six issue. Yeah, and or like a four like, issue even. And, and then, then it like, was like, oh shit, this is going really well. Yeah, and I think they were like, oh damn, people really like this. So <clears throat> yeah. that could be what this one is too. I I kind of get the vibe that this is sort of a like, hey, we want to remind you how much you enjoyed this so that when the PS5 comes out, you go and get this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely <laughs> timely. The next one. Um, so. But yeah, and it's got a bunch of great covers. It's got a Peach Momoko cover. Everyone's really feeling Peach Momoko right now. Uh, it's got art germ covers. Uh, there's like a game art cover, which is really cool. Nice. So there's some cool covers to this book, too. So I definitely recommend this one. I think it's one to one worth picking up and seeing if you're into it. Def. So speaking of things based on games, uh, there was another book that came out this week that... Uh, it's based on a pretty cult classic video game and tabletop game series. Uh, it's Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, they had a comic for Vampire the Masquerade, I believe, in the Vertigo days. I think oh, it was a okay. Vertigo book All right. um, way back when. Vampire the Masquerade's been around forever. It's been around <laughs> for a while. Um, there's been at least one video game. I think there's like a new video game coming um and then there's been tabletop rpgs and it's got this rich extensive lore about like various vampire clans that all have like different abilities and different like appearances and things they can do and they all have their own culture and loyalties and all this stuff um and then there's this group or like i don't know if it's a group or if it's like kind of like a constitution but the masquerade kind of like dictates how their cultures interact um, that said, I know very little about Vampire the Masquerade. I've never played the game, uh, either tabletop or, uh, video game. There's a new edition of the tabletop and I've heard very, very good things about it. So I'm interested in checking it out. I've just never played. Um, and I didn't read the old comics, so I don't know much about it. So I was going into this kind of blind and I can tell you, uh, the first issue is there's a lot of lore, there's yeah. a, obviously a very rich lore. And unfortunately, yes. the way... So the, the issue is made up of two stories. Um, the first story, which seems to be the quote-unquote main story, uh, is called Winter's Teeth, and it's written by Tim Seeley. Um, the second story is kind of like a supplement story uh, that is called The Anarch's Tale. And it focuses on... The first story focuses on... Like someone who is basically an enforcer for one of the vampire clans. She's been around for a while. She's really tough and badass and has her own kind of like appeal and her own kind of like secrets. Um, the second story is like a group of outcasts, these anarchs. They don't belong to a clan. They're living their own life on the fringes. Um, and they are heading towards Minneapolis, which is where the city in which the main story also takes place. Um, and the second story, the Anarch's Tale, is written by Teeny Howard. 
Um, which Tim Seeley and Teeny Howard, I feel like, do a lot of stuff together. I think so. Uh, yeah, because they also did Hack Slash together. Because Teeny Howard took over Hack Slash. Oh, okay. In like the more recent ones, and she did a really good job. Um, anyway, uh, the first story specifically is steeped in this lore, this yeah. hefty lore, and yeah. it makes a lot of references to stuff that are just kind of like, like, in passing. It'll be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Here's a clan name, blah, 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 blah. And then continue on with like very little explanation or kind of hints as to what is being referred to. Right. And you get a handle of some of like, you kind of understand what the prince is. You kind of understand how the clans interact and what some of the different clans are from the little bits of details that you get. But there's still a lot of questions left. And I feel like Tim Seeley is very much a fan of Vampire Masquerade. And really wrote this for people who are also fans, fans of the vampire. I agree with that. Of the game and kind of know the lore already. I don't know if a lot of that stuff is planned to be expanded upon as the story continues and maybe explained down a little bit better. Um, like we, you know, it gets referred to that she is a Bruja, like, oh, classic Bruja ways. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I don't know what to infer by this dude being like, oh, you're such a Bruja. It's like, oh, Bruja, please. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I I don't understand. And I just like, there's no point where it's like, oh, yes, I'm a Bruja. I blah, 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 blah. Here's what I do. I like orange juice with pulp. I don't know. And so it's like. There's a lot of things like that where it's just like characters will make like references to like, oh, yes, the, the Zeta Phi Delta. And you're like, I don't know what the F you're talking about, Tim. Um, and that's fine. If you're a fan of the games, you probably really are OK with that. Uh, but I can tell you as somebody who hasn't played the games, there is that hump to get over. Yeah. That said, it's a cool story. There's some details about the main character that I've never really seen play into a vampire story, right. particularly her relationship with her sister, oh, who yeah, we meet later uh, in the story. And I think it's a really cool concept, um, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. Uh, however, I enjoyed the supplement story, which I don't know if it's a supplement story or like parallel stories. I don't know. I assumed it's a supplement story because the main cover has the character from the main story on it and so i just kind of assumed this was the main story and this is a supplement story um but they might just be parallel stories and they might be of equal importance so i don't want to downplay teeny howard's story especially because i liked it a lot more i liked the characters more i felt like it was more forgiving about like lore lore um yeah it was easier to comprehend yeah it, it it flowed better. I liked the back end story. In fact, I like the back end story a lot. I like these characters. I like this little ragtag group of vampires that she's built. Um, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, so I do think if you're into vampire stuff, if you're looking for kind of a more deeply entrenched vampire story, cause it, it's, and it's very clearly not, uh, like viral vampires, which seems to be every time we have a modern vampire story, it's like, it's a virus. Yeah. But it's like, it's very clearly like 
supernatural vampire. They make yeah. reference to how, like, when you become a vampire, you you die and you are replaced by something that has all your memories and stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so it's very clearly, like, a, a supernatural vampire story. And I think that's really cool. Um, it's refreshing to have kind of a modern supernatural vampire story i could see that um there's a lot of vampire stories out right now like there holy are. hell vampires are huge They're back. vampires are like subtly slipping into the comic world like we've got freaking dark red we've got uh redneck we've got vampire ninja yeah we've got vampire state building we've got yeah the let them bleed or whatever um we've got a. Uh, what is the there's another one that keeps having really cool Jay Lee covers and it's like vamp something. They all have like vamp names. Anyway, tons of vampires. Vampires Lots are of vampires. freaking everywhere. They just zombies. finished um there was that <laughs> there was that one about the vampires in India. What was that called? These Savage Shores. Um yeah, vampires are freaking everywhere. Because they got and then you zombies. Have, yeah, Vampirella has like fifteen million different that is true. Different There's titles a lot out. Of Vampirella titles and right now. Yeah, it's. I, and yet we can't get the Blade title that they promised us. So like a few years back, they promised us a Blade title that was going to be about Blade's daughter, oh. and it was going to be a female Blade. And then Marvel was like, "Nah, never mind." It just stopped. It's actually that. interesting that you bring up Blade <laughs> because honestly, one. Of, so I read this book, not even knowing that it was anything else like i didn't know that there was a game i didn't know anything so i uh -huh. went into this even more blind than you did i didn't realize it until after i'd already read the comic that it was based on something else and i was like oh honestly it put everything into so much more context because as i was reading it i was getting such late 90s vibe from it i mm -hmm. was like the way people dress and the way people speak and the way people act. I was like, man, yeah. it feels like I'm watching the original Blade movie yeah. that was like vampires in the late 90s and the blonde chick with her hair slicked back and the weird like long fur coat crap. And you're like, what is happening in this? Mm -hmm. I found it and it was just weird. And I, I feel like having the context that it was a game and like yeah. has this kind of like history makes a lot of sense i also um i i agree with chris that it was like there's so much lore and you don't really know what's going on but there's also like this weird section where it's like tim seeley tried to make up for it and give like this chunk of exposition and like background on what's happening but it feels super out of place because it's like two people talking about stuff they would already know having like this chunk of exposition and i'm like why would you be talking about this yeah. and that's the section <laughs> like i'm talking about is like they they in that section they'll also make reference to stuff and then just on. and never speak of it that's, but the, that's, you're like what is this yeah, conversation <laughs> that's the point when yeah that's the point when he's like oh the old Bruja ways and it's like what the hell even is that i don't know you don't know <laughs> nobody knows you're just making up words vampire guy this whole conversation um, doesn't make any sense and there's like, like it's funny because there's like a there's a supplement in the back to use uh the two character like main characters from the two stories in the vampire masqueraded game so like how to translate them over as characters in the tabletop game oh. and i was reading there and it was like yes she's a bruja and i'm like what is that 
that didn't tell me anything. I was like, I'm going to read this to see if it tells me what this is. And it answered a question about the, because the woman in the second uh the second story can like walk around in the daytime and i'm like what's that all about so i looked in the back and it explains that she's like she's it's like a thin blood or something like that and she like has the ability to walk around during the day and stuff but she has some weaknesses because of it and cool i get that now but then in the other one it's just like oh yes she's a bruja and i'm like (laughs) i don't know what that means Tell me, tell me. Isn't that like a clan name? I think so, but what does that all mean? the clans are different. They I know. Are, they're all different. I they're know. all so different. And so, like, what, what make, like, what do I need to expect from her as one of these Bruja things? It's fine. Bruges are just drenching. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pulling out a little dark crystal there. Oopsies. <laughs> and the Vapra are on top of all. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's but it was really cool. I do I love Tim Seeley stuff. I I I mean I read through like all the original hack slash stuff and Tim Seeley, like you said, he does you can tell he's a big like nineties horror buff, right? Yeah. Because like a lot of the stuff that he writes is just so like I know I've already used this adjective, but steeped in this like nineties horror We'll say even better festooned in nineties <laughs> horror themeology. Um, I gotta mix it up, bruh. Uh, and yeah, it's it's this has a lot of that feel to it, and it it feels very like the early Blade movies. It does. It feels and like the first Blade movie, like one hundred percent. It's got that like, kind oh. of aesthetic to it. Like, all uh, right, and it's cool. Don't get me wrong, I love the Blade movies. Like that, that was my jam. Yeah. So I love. My favorite thing about the Blade movies is finding out all the trivia about how crazy uh, Wesley Snipes was oh my God. during Blade Trinity. Insane. Like, <laughs> if you haven't had a chance, look up the interview where Patton Oswalt spills the beans on like uh, on Wesley Snipes during Blade Trinity and how he was literally crazy. And his and, CGI'd eyes. Yeah, and then look up look up blade trinity blade trinity cgi eyes because there's literally a sequence where wesley snipes just refused to open his eyes so they had to cgi in eyes um and i'd never noticed it before and now i can't unsee it um anyway uh yeah so ridiculous vampire the masquerade i dig it i think Personally, I'm leaning more toward. I'm more excited to see where the Teeny Howard stuff goes. Same, but I there's enough kind of intriguing details on the main story that I'm willing to kind of slog through learning this lore, having this lore kind of like force fed right to me, um, to really get into that story. Like I think I and I still really want to play the game. Yeah, fair. You know, That's but. valid. So next on the docket is another non-original IP, but not a video game this time. This time we've got a glorious movie that we all know and love, yep. Alien Original Screenplay number one yep. um, by Cristiano Sexas. I don't actually know how to say that name. S-E-I-X-A-S. That's fascinating. Yeah. I have no idea. Anyway did a great job i very much enjoyed this story um it's like 
I, I don't know where it's taking, like, when or where. I don't know if this is based on, like, I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I haven't figured out the positioning of this in comparison to... What are you talking about? Like, like... This is the original screenplay for Alien. So, like... This was the original... It's an adaptation of the original Dan O'Bannon screenplay for Alien that was written before a lot of changes were made and before H.R. Geiger got involved. Okay. So it's basically, so that's why you can see like similar, like they find the, yeah, whatever. Oh God. I always mess this up and alien fans get mad at me. (laughs) Whatever the big alien guys where they find one of the ships. Um, I'm sorry. I never remember. I don't know what it is. I can never remember what those big alien guys are, but you know, they find the ship thing and they're like, Oh, there's aliens. Um, and you know it's like a small crew and they're like a salvage crew and then they're like ah oh, we're taking out a hypersleep to experience this you know what i mean like yeah. there's a lot of similarities but the main thing is that the aesthetics are considerably different yes the because aesthetics, the aesthetics and... are based entirely off of and character names are very different but um i think that's where i was a little confused because i like went and being like original screenplay dope and then i was like this is different and now I'm a little confused yeah. as to the context but like I am heckin digging it like it's cool to see the parallels of the original but also the like new adaptations and like it's cool too because something that like I immediately noticed was that this one infuses much more diversity yeah and I'm like yes yeah I want that, that. That's I probably, love this that's probably the you know the work of the uh, people adapting it yeah. you know what i mean and i love but that i think that's great all the I aesthetics think that's valuable. yeah all the aesthetics they have a note kind of in the beginning um that all the aesthetics are based off of notes in the original dan o'bannon screenplay um mm. so it's going to be cool to see you know how it parallels but also where it deviates yeah and then like i said i like the change in aesthetic because it's, you know, alien. I love the alien aesthetic. Like, the aesthetic that they brought in, both with, like, the spacey bits and the creature bits from H.R. Geiger, and then all the, like... And I think Mobius did some concept work for them. And then all the, like, old-school tech. Like, everything looks like it's run off of, like, a 1984 Mac. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's all made out of, like, cheap, like car dashboard plastic you know what i mean and stuff like that it all looks like they're running ms dos yeah (laughs) and you know everything's like clacky keyboards as far as the eye can see and everything's padded for some reason like i love that aesthetic like it's so good but it's super unrealistic but it will be kind of cool i mean it's not it's not even just that it's super unrealistic because hey maybe who knows um, I mean, we flew to the moon on the equivalent of like a TI-83 calculator. That's you know a good what I mean? Point. That's um, true. So who knows? And maybe like more mechanical analog type computers would handle deep space better. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Fair. I think there's arguments that could be made to why it looks this way. That said, I think it would be cool to see Alien reworked as like a very like high sci-fi, like everything's very like sci-fi and like how we interpret like very modern sci-fi kind of stuff yeah yeah. um and so to be i'm I'm excited to see like i said where it parallels and where it deviates 
And like, for instance, like I know some of the names are going to change. So like, I've been trying to figure out like who's who. Who is the um? And I think there's a there's a woman named Roby, and I think she's Ripley. I think so. Um, I think so. And I but she's also awesome. Yeah. And instantly you're like, she's the only non-idiot on this group. (laughs) And I think I think Dark Horse has already done something like this. I think they did not too long ago an adaptation of the original Alien 3 screenplay, which was huge because people hated Alien 3. Because you should. It was bad. It was bad. Uh, (laughs) Choices they made were not good There's a lot of drama. Yeah, a lot of drama and history with Alien 3 about how come there was so many rewrites and, you know, there being so many rewrites and reshoots and things like that. Um, killing so, off people and things you shouldn't be killing. But when you think about like Ugh. Alien, like the first Alien movie, you don't really think about like, just like with any movie, there was a very early pre-production phase. And what went down, we only think of Alien with the like sci-fi classic that we got. Right. Um. So what happened when In some between. dude went to studio executives and was like i have this idea for a movie here (laughs) between them then getting all these different concept artists on and directors on and rewriting and recasting and recharacterizing and stuff like that um and fitting into what the movie studio wanted right and you know i think that could easily be done for just about any movie because i don't think people understand how much power the movie studios have you know what i mean and how much they often change to make it more palatable um and taking classic movies like this and doing the original screenplay is i mean dark horse is one of their big mo's it's licensing stuff right yeah so if you're gonna license stuff why not pitch it as like because this could turn out to be the exact same like it, it could turn out to be the same movie and all the same story beats happen but it's still kind of unique. Well, and I got to say, way, like, you know? the fact that the aesthetics were very different, it makes it feel like an entirely different story. Yeah. Like having different people, having different aesthetic, like it, it's almost unrecognizable, even if the plot points are exactly yeah. the same. Plus, as an adaptation, you have a little bit of freedom, a little bit of wiggle room to like change up characterizations and yeah. change up character development and stuff like that. Um, and I just think that's... It's a clever idea from a company that's been doing licensed IPs for so long. Right. To not just fall into the same beats of like, all right, well, here's a new alien book. Yeah. But being like, hey, remember that movie that you really liked? What if it were kind of different? What if this is what it looked like (laughs) instead? You know? No, I I definitely dig it. I think this was probably my favorite book of the week. Um, I think... I, I just, I like, it It feels like a modern retelling. Like, it's one yeah. of those things where yeah. you take the original, but it feels like, what if we made this today? And we took into the, like, logical changes that you would do. Like, for instance, you would have a more diverse cast today yeah. than you would have when you originally that's, made that's it. That's a good like, point. And here comes the the rant that has been the theme of my last few episodes, I think that's a really good utilization of the mixed text and visual medium. I you know agree. what I mean? Yeah. Nobody wants an alien reboot. No, 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 no. But, you know, if you wanted to reboot Alien as like a six issue mini, okay. 
Yeah. You know? I'd be fine I don't, with that. I don't want a Jaws reboot. Jaws oh, is perfect. Yes. It's a great movie. Yes. But, you know, I would read like a four to six issue mini that's like a basically just a Jaws reboot with like a more modern. I mean, Buffy. They just did it. Yep. They yep. tried to get a Buffy series rebooted off the ground forever and everyone was like, no. Stop it. Stop it. And then they go and reboot Buffy as a comic. And it's great. And it's fantastic. It's so good. I you know? love the new feel. It's so good. I think and honestly, like doing more modern reboots of like classics is not a bad idea for comics. No, it's not. Because you at have all. a lot of creativity, like you said, in diversity. You have a lot of creativity in changing the aesthetic. And people aren't gonna be as butthurt about it as if you tried to like launch it onto film. Yep. Yep. You know? No, absolutely. And that's that's like you brought up Buffy and that's exactly what they did. Like it now has cell like the biggest changes is that now they're cell phones and Will is allowed to be a lesbian right at the gate. Yeah. And like, you it know, feels it, it less... just things like that. Yeah. Like they included a new guy into the Scooby gang who's a black guy and he's great. Like, yeah. it's just smart. They were able to do things that you just couldn't do at the beginning on the yeah. screen. It feels less. uh cash in and more homage you know what i mean like yes i feel like when it's done in comics it feels less like you know when a movie studio does it it feels like they're just trying to take something that has a fan base and milk that fan base as hard as they can right you know yep but when a comic company does it i think it's more like hey we're fans of this you're fans of this what if this happened today you know what I mean? Yep, and it's more totally. of like a visualization of like, if this were made in our current climate, what would it look like? And then you put it down on and you just don't like just don't milk it too hard. Don't be like, hey, you know, I know this was one movie, but we're going to make a whole ongoing series out of this and you're going to keep buying it because screw you and just do like like Dark Horse is doing because this is like a six issue mini. And it's perfect. So it's like it might even be a four. So it's just like. Do a mini. That's all you need. The length of a feature film and retell it. I think, in fact, you know, I've I've said it and now I think I think a retold, rebooted Jaws miniseries would be really cool. Oh, yeah. Especially in (laughs) especially in today's environment with how much people love Shark Week. Like, yeah, that would be a great book. Yeah. You can make it like they save the shark instead of kill it. And the shark's not the enemy. It's the people. Which they tried to get that tone across in the movie, and it's very subtle, and it's too subtle. But well, they tried to—they tried to get the whole like, sharks aren't the problem, people are the problem. But then you can see the studio beats where it's like, no, we need an antagonist. Well, <laughs> and know? I hate to say it, but like a lot of the people are the problem. People didn't believe that people would behave that way, but. Nowadays, watching people go to the beach, even though they know that they could die in the water, but screw you, it's my right to go to the beach, rings a little more true today. Yeah. Yeah, I saw (laughs) shortly after the beaches in Florida opened back up, I saw a a tweet that was floating around that was just a a picture of the mayor from Amity from, from Jaws, and it was just the simple tweet of, I've never hated this guy more. (laughs) Because like now it's really real, and you're like, oh god, the politician is sending people to die. And it's it is what it is. Like it, you didn't believe that people would be that stupid, and then you're like, oh. Yeah, but yeah, this one was cool. I agree. I, agree I really dug it. I think you should definitely go pick it up. It was super uh, interesting seeing it from its different perspective, and I'm really looking forward to keep reading this one. So. 
Uh, last one I want to talk about. Last one for today is not an adaptation of anything. Uh, it's an extension on a universe that's already been going. Oh, okay. uh, so DC re <laughs> DC relaunched uh, all the Sandman stuff into like its own kind of correlated, um, its own sort of a curated uh, print, basically on. Okay. Uh, so it's all under this like the dreaming. So they've got the dreaming. Uh, they've got uh, House of Whispers. They've got Books of Magic. They've got Lucifer. Uh, was that it? Is that all that they have? Is that all they have? I mean, that's plenty, right? <laughs> I think there might be one more that I'm forgetting. But anyway, um, so the Dreaming was the, that's like the core book that's about you know. Uh, the Sandman himself and his various other like 50 other Neil Gaiman names. Um, <laughs> and it's been good. It's been really cool. It's introduced a lot of new lore and a lot of new characters and some really, it brings back some old tones and some old beats. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really solid. This is a new extension of that. It's called the dreaming waking hours. Um, it introduces a new character again. We are introduced to actually two new characters. I think uh, the main character is a woman who is trying to get her uh, PhD in uh, English literature, uh, which I know literally last week, I think I was saying, don't make your characters writers. But here we are. Um, <laughs> and she's trying to do, she's doing her paper on Shakespearean authorship theories. Um, and it's not going well. Uh, meanwhile, she keeps having a recurring dream about a house. By extension of how dreaming dreams work in this universe, which should be noted is an extension of the DC universe. So every time Superman goes to sleep, he's basically connected to all this like crazy Sandman bullshit. And that's interesting. Um, I wonder if that's why he doesn't sleep much. He yeah. does say I mean, that's that why, in um, one of a recent, in one of yeah. the recent uh, Superman books, he's like, I, mean, um, I don't sleep you know, enough. In the original Sandman run, you know, uh, John Constantine's there. Etrigan and the demon is there that like in the first me. few issues of the first Sandman run. So it's like, it's in the Marvel universe or it's in the Marvel. It's in the DC universe. So like, <laughs> sure. It's in the Marvel universe. Why not? Um, There's been crossovers. Yeah, hey, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm putting that down. Don't at me. The dreaming is only the Marvel universe. Open your eyes. Sheeple. Um, but yeah, it's, it's in the DC canon, like, officially, so I think that's really cool. A cool concept to think that there's this whole, like, dreamscape that exists while all this, like, we're punching people through buildings is going on. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're introduced to a nightmare named Ruin, who is kind of an F-up. Oh. Um, and through events that I won't spoil, he is... Uh, stuck in the waking world while okay. she gets stuck in the dreaming world. Oh, no. She gets to hang out with Shakespeare and all the, like, people who might also actually be Shakespeare. <laughs> and um, he is stuck with her baby. So uh, it's really cool. I like the characters. It has a lot of, like, like a lot of narrative thrust that feels very similar to like the original Gaiman stuff. Oh, okay. Um, not that the regular dreaming series didn't. Um, 
it did have a few moments uh like it, it's had its moments that have felt very kind of like standard comic book oh, okay um not that that's a problem but it had plenty of very like gaiman-esque poetic kind of you know open-ended sort of moments yeah um it's hard to explain like i'm trying to lock down a word that explains what I'm talking about, about Gaiman-esque, but I think I'm just going to stick to Gaiman-esque and hope that people understand. He is, I hate to um, say it, but like he is his own or I guess enterprise, you know? I keep wanting to say Gaiman, but it's Gaiman. Gaiman-esque. I mean, that's not our fault. We took a class and the teacher called him Gaiman. Yeah, that's, so. I, yeah I had a professor in college that um, referred to him as Neil Gaiman. And so that's how I learned his name. And then later on, I was discussing it with people and they were like, you know, it's Neil Gaiman, right? And then I saw like a video with Neil Gaiman and he was like, hi, I'm Neil Gaiman. And I was like, fudge. <laughs> um, we were taught very wrong yeah. and it's hard um, to unlearn it's stuff hard to like unlearn. that. It was my favorite professor too. So it's like everything he taught is ingrained and all the other shit is just gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, Uh no, I, I really dig it. Um I'm I'm I like the characters. I really like the kind of playful outlook on Shakespeare. For those who don't know what Shakespeare authorship theory is, um there's a lot of theories that Shakespeare either wasn't the one actively writing his stuff or maybe didn't even exist. Yeah, it wasn't actually um, dude was just a like a pseudonym for Yeah, there's like a chic that could have been Shakespeare and Hathaway could have either been Shakespeare or been helping Shakespeare write his stuff. Uh, and there's a few other people. There's a lot of chicks that it could have yeah. been. And like, so the several we don't fully know that the bard actually was the bard or even was a person. And so who knows? Uh, Shakespeare with Bill Shakespeare could have been a pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, so. That's what she's studying, and that's what is going to be playing a part of this as she's trapped in some sort of room with, like, 15 people that are all claiming to be Shakespeare. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be cool. But I, I like the playful outlook on Shakespeare. Shakespeare is one of my favorites. I love Shakespeare's stuff. He's hilarious. And he He's or so she. Um, they're so snarky. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve from like not really steeped in literary theory kind of people. Um, they always treat essentially Shakespeare's always treated as like, Oh, this literary genius when really Shakespeare's like kind of like a comic that got stuck yeah, doing stuff just so he could make some cash. <laughs> rags on theater all the time. Rags on poets all the time. Rags on writers all the time. Rags on themselves. Rags on England all the time. Rags on themselves all the time. It's great. It's just, it's some of the most self-deprecating shit you can it's get like out Jane of early Austin. writing. It's so it's funny so good. and people don't um, get it. <laughs> but yeah, I really dig this. Uh, if you have been reading The Dreaming and you were wary about diving into this, I recommend it. If you haven't been reading The Dreaming and you're kind of looking for something, I recommend it. Uh, it doesn't rely on you needing to, as far as I can tell, it doesn't rely on you needing to have read the main series to really know what's happening. Yeah. Um, you just kind of have to have a general idea of what, like, The Dreaming is and what, like, the Sandman stuff's all about. Like, right. it's about 
you know, there being a whole world dedicated to dreams. And as we dream, these, you know, characters come in and set up dreams for us and we can create things with our dreams and we can create nightmares and nightmares get put in a box and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and there's a guy with a pumpkin for a head uh, and stuff like that. So there's your crash course. In the dreaming. <laughs> I feel like I just learned so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. And this one seems to be like it's going to really explore the world of nightmares. And I think that'll be cool. That'll be neat. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's solid. It's really cool. Nice. So. That's going to do it for us today. Um, if you want more Cover B, you should come and check us out on our website, coverbpodcast.com, where we have past episodes, special episodes, bonus episodes, recommendations, where you can find us, merch, so many things. You can also find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Cover B Podcast. Mm-hmm. I was bad this week. But I'll be better. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> Next week is going to be better. So. You trusted me. I'll failed you. I'm sorry. I This week got crazy and I had too much going on. And my normal time to schedule stuff got taken away. So anyway, it's fine. Um, <laughs> if you like video games, we also stream on Twitch six nights a week. Yep. Uh, at Tink Tink Games. Um, we're a variety show. We do all sorts of stuff. So definitely come and check that out. And... I think that's it, right? Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, that's enough. That's yeah, enough. You that's know, enough. We don't need to overstimulate no you. No more. I'm trying not to overstimulate you too yeah. hard, okay? You, it's your weekend. Relax. Take a break. Chill. <laughs> Chill, though. Just vibe out. Yeah. All right? We will have another episode of uh, Real Extra coming up here pretty soon, as soon as we finish Umbrella Academy Season 2. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, Chris? No. Uh, check out our recent episode of Graphic Novelties. It was a oh, very yeah. fun episode uh, about pulp. Yes. Uh, and we're going to start trying to do more like special episodes. Just got to have the time. We might dive into some like older graphic novels, read those up. That would be awesome. Do some more graphic novelties and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. Cool. All right. Are you guys sick of us yet? I am. Uh, me too. Anyway, we'll catch you next week On for another episode, episode of, of Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.